This is Daniel Fagella, head of research at Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research. You're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. Over the years, we've consistently covered the themes of AI strategy and AI adoption, and most of our takes there have come from AI leaders within large enterprises, whether it's the head of core machine learning at Facebook, head of AI Raytheon, the list goes on and on, or cutting-edge AI vendor companies who are transforming those industries. That's been most of the takes. But what do employees have to say, even boots-on-the-ground frontline employees have to say, about the broad-reaching adoption of artificial intelligence? What are the pros and the cons? What are the fears and the trepidations? Well, as it turns out, one of the most powerful firms in the Fortune 100 has done a pretty robust assessment of that question across their base of employees, and they've done it for many years, and they're going to continually do it into the future. Oracle is just that company. At the time of this recording, the 80th firm in the Fortune 100, so a rather large enterprise. And our guest is Emily He. She is the SVP of Human Capital Management in Oracle's Cloud Business Group. And she's also helped to manage the research that Oracle does every year on the impact, expectations, and thoughts of employees on artificial intelligence within their business. And a lot of the findings that Emily brings to bear are indicative of, generally speaking, what enterprise team members think when they think AI. Again, what are the opportunities that come to mind? What are the fears that come to mind? And what are the implications for how businesses adopt artificial intelligence in a way that doesn't radically spook the rest of our teams and the people who ultimately are going to have to use this technology in order to help us all move faster? So there's a lot of insight here in terms of what adoption should look like given the impact on employees. And I hope that some of our listeners will be able to use these insights to build more fruitful AI adoption roadmaps for themselves. So without further ado, this is Emily He of Oracle here on the AI and Business Podcast. So Emily, I'm glad we were able to have you here. I know that this is apparently your third year running doing this big sort of AI at work survey. A lot of findings about trends in the workplace, trends around mental health and kind of the the place and purpose of AI in that mix. I'd love to get a high level on what you guys discovered, what some of the most exciting findings were. Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for having me. We've been doing this AI at work study for the last three years. And the goal for this study is to explore the ever-evolving relationship between humans and machines. At Oracle, uh, my job is to design software for HR professionals. And we work with thousands of organizations all around the world. And our customers are always asking us, what does the future hold? And what should we take into consideration as we evaluate technology solutions? So in the last three years, we went out to thousands, tens of thousands, HR professionals, employees, managers, as well as C-suite to ask them questions about how they feel about AI, their readiness to adopt AI. And the findings have been fascinating. The first year when we did this study, the 92% of the employees said they were ready to take orders from bots versus humans. So that was pretty shocking to us. At the time, digital assistant and AI was still pretty new in the workplace. And then last year, when we did the study again, and by the way, we did this study across 10 different countries. So the findings are global and universal. The headline of the study was 64% of the people would prefer to have a robot as their manager versus humans. (laughs) And when we asked them why that is, they said they're actually not saying that they don't want humans as their managers, but they want their managers to focus on different things. So what they would rather go to robots 
for are things like scheduling meetings or managing your projects or allocating budget. And what they would prefer for their managers to do is to cultivate a sense of culture and belonging, giving them personalized coaching and really showing more empathy and focusing on the human side of things. So that was really fascinating. This year, during the pandemic, we unleashed unleashed this study. And the shocking thing, the not so surprising thing is 70% of the people said, this is the most stressful year ever given the pandemic and what's going on in the world. But one uh, unexpected stats we found from the survey is 68% of the people said they would rather talk to a robot about their mental health issues versus going to their manager. Huh. Yeah. And I guess, you know, it sounds as though you and I were talking off microphone. It sounds as though we have some hypotheses around why that is. And maybe you actually have some overt answers. I know we had 12,000 respondees. Obviously, Oracle's a very substantial company. You've got some serious resources behind this research. What, what was it that underpinned that? Was it purely the stigma of mental health and not wanting to talk to a human about it? Or are there other factors as to why people feel this level of comfort with a bot handling those kind of concerns? There are a whole bunch of things going on. First of all, uh, when I think about the relationship between humans and technology, it really started from the industrial revolution, right? We've been using technology for a long time. Technology is the integral part of our day-to-day lives. But if you think about our relationship with technology, it's kind of a master and slave relationship. So we tell technology what to do. When you think about enterprise software, we're basically prescribing business processes in a digital way, and people need to input data, follow a sequence of steps, and then they, there's some kind of output, and that's how we use technology today. But with the evolution of machine learning and AI, we can now have a very different relationship with technology because technology is starting to behave more like humans. They are learning like humans, If you give technology the right data, technology can learn, can identify patterns and learn on its own. You can interact with technology like humans through uh, natural language processing and conversational user interface. And technology is starting to guide humans in making decisions. You can get nudges from technology. The technology can make recommendations about your fitness and health and things like that. So now technology and human relationships are indeed evolving. And that's why people are feeling more comfortable and almost delighted going to technology for help. And by the way, people are already doing this in their day-to-day lives. Like my kids talk to Alexa, Siri, ask them questions, (laughs) get them to do their math homework, much to my dismay. Oh, geez. Uh Uh-oh. (laughs) Uh-oh. And people want the same thing when they come to work. So that's why people are resorting to things like digital assistant to uh, get answers. And when it comes to mental health, there's an added dimension, which is there's stigma associated with mental health. So people feel more comfortable resorting to technology for uh, answers about what resources they can leverage. And also technology is available 24-7. So it's always there to provide the help you need when it comes to addressing mental health challenges. Yeah, of course, it really feels like there's two sides of this coin. And maybe we can dive into this a little bit, and then we can talk a bit about your future vision of where these technologies are headed. Obviously, Oracle is leveraging AI in different areas and making investments and acquisitions and doing these kinds of research. So there's some important perspective about the future I'd love to touch on. But before we do, just to, to kind of get a sense of the, the research... 
I'm wondering how much of it currently, and maybe you can answer this just from the structure of the report and the questions, which I, I you know, I wasn't one of the uh, respondents, so I don't know the exact questions, but it seems as though there's maybe an aspirational aim here where like, yeah, I'd prefer to talk to a machine about mental health. And I think that preference is assuming it could help me, right? I mean, so it, it feels like that's kind of the assumption, or I'd prefer to have a machine as my manager. Maybe that's just like, you know, if it actually could do a good job as a manager. So it's maybe we're kind of painting our ideals into the technology and saying yes. Like if there was a superpowered AI who could be your manager, would you say yes? And it's like, oh man, they could be everything I ever want. Of course, I'll just check the box to say yes. It feels like maybe we're we're saying yes to what the technology could be as opposed to where it is. Is that safe to say? Or is there there's some proxy for where people are using this stuff for mental health right here, right now? I'm interested in your thoughts on that. I think it kind of goes, it goes both ways. Um, on the one hand, we are kind of projecting what we want into technology, but there are certain things that technology are simply better at doing. So for example, in last year's survey, when people said they would prefer to have a robot as their manager versus a human, they're not really saying that they don't want human managers anymore. They're simply saying that machines are better at certain things. For example, when it comes to delegating tasks, managing your schedule, they don't want their managers to be spending time on that. They would prefer that their manager do more strategic and human things, and they would prefer for their managers to give them personalized coaching and managing the team and cultivating a sense of culture. That's what the employees are projecting. So okay, they're not okay, asking okay. us to <laughs> replace manager with technology, but they're asking their manager to do something differently. So the survey for me, it really examines the ever-evolving relationship between humans and machines. And as humans, as uh, machines take over certain tasks that are currently done by humans, it also uh, allows humans to elevate our relationship with each other in the workplace, right? In the perfect world, all these um, repetitive administrative tasks can be handled by machines, and we can spend more time on uh, brainstorming and strategizing and doing creative work, or coming together, really celebrating the sense of community, showing more empathy to each other, and showing more support with each other. Huh. So I'll just poke into the manager side, and we'll talk a little bit about mental health and then the future. So can we get some maybe concrete examples of what humans hope the AI could handle instead of the manager so that they could get more of this coaching time, celebration time, more more real connection, human stuff? What are some of those those tasks that maybe we would hope AI could quote unquote be the manager of so that our real managers could could be more human with us. What, what, what are some examples? Yeah, at Oracle, we actually deliver a digital assistant as part of our enterprise software solution. And through the digital assistant, you can do things like getting your expense reports approved where you can access your paycheck. You can access the latest benefit information or HR policy information. A lot of these tasks in many countries, people still go to their managers for, right? They go to their managers to get approvals, to schedule certain uh, workloads or to get their budget approved. These things is something that machines are much better at doing. So if we can have these administrative and repetitive tasks be handled by machines, that will free up the managers to spend more time with their employees on things that they really want, which is personalized coaching, their career trajectory, and also managing the team in a more effective way. 
Yeah, yeah, I can see the desire there. You know, I, I also know that even things like, you know, book me a meeting with Sally from, uh, you know, the Dallas office, you know, even something like that is, is actually not not a completely solved problem with uh, with these conversational agents by any means. There's a lot of work to be done to to get that, what we might think of as kind of grunt work out of the way, to be honest. But um, but it's interesting that humans would actually think of machines just even in the same breath with, with managers. I mean, that finding alone is kind of curious. About the mental health side, same sort of question, just for clarity here, Emily, is, is around you know, where the machine comes in. So, you know, are these people saying, hey, I'd like to talk to a machine about, you know, XYZ childhood trauma or whatever it is that they're working with? Or when it comes to taking time off for mental health, I'd rather tell a machine than a human and maybe only the machine will know the reason, you know, and, and not have to, you know, tell my colleagues it's because of, you know, a reaction I had to a new, you know, bipolar medication. I, I'd, I'd rather kind of have that not, not even Sally and HR even know about that. Where is it where humans are saying, hey, I'd, I'd like to, you know, talk to a machine? Because of course that, that conjures up this image of the robot therapist, but probably there's a more granular definition that your question was actually asking. Where were humans interested in that juncture? Yeah. Correct. And and I think to answer that question, it's, it's important to paint the picture of what's happening in year 2020, mm. right? In year 2020, this is the most stressful year ever. 70% of the people said that. 78% of the people we surveyed among the 12, more than 12,000 employees, HR, people, managers, and C-suite, 78% of the people reporting men, mental health concerns. People are working more hours than ever, not because they want to, but many people started working from home overnight, and they don't know how to manage their schedule when they're sitting in front of a screen. They didn't know that they're supposed to incorporate physical activities yeah, yeah, <laughs> into yeah. their day-to-day lives. Yeah, yeah. And more importantly, you're working alongside your your spouse, your children, who yeah. are schooling from home. So all this is contributing to a unprecedented sense of anxiety, fear, and stress. And there are more people who are experiencing mental health than ever. The good thing is, now that we're all going through this together, uh, people are openly talking about their, their mental health issues. So more people are experiencing this challenge, but we don't have enough resources to direct these employees to go to the right place for help. Yeah, And yeah. one of the things, I already mentioned this, 68% of the people said they would prefer to talk to a robot over their manager about their stress and anxiety at work. And all they want, when we ask them what specifically they're looking for when it comes to mental health, what they told us is they're looking for self-service access to health resources. They're looking for on-demand counseling services. They are looking for access to wellness and meditation apps, and they're looking for a chatbot to answer health-related questions. So we're not talking about this futuristic world where you're literally talking to a robot counselor for an hour and, yeah. and about really deep issues. We're just talking about connecting people to the right resources right now because mental health is such a huge problem. The other thing that's interesting that we've realized through the survey is humans, when it comes to mental health, are actually not adequate in addressing this concern because we're not trained professionals. Oftentimes when people come to us and say, I feel really depressed, I feel really stressed, our natural instinct is to say, no, 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 you stop feeling depressed, stop feeling stressed. And that's not the right answer. And for a lot of companies, they already have existing resources as part of their employee assistance program. They usually offer telehealth or online counseling. 
But because of the stigma associated with mental health, a lot of employees are not aware of that. So something like a digital assistant is a great way to scale best practices when it comes to offering help to mental health. When employees ask questions, the digital assistant can connect employees right away with the right resource so they can get help right away. Yeah, well, I could definitely see the valid use case of, hey, like, when can I take time off? What is covered under our healthcare plan? Um, what are the resources available for certain kind of counseling or whatever from the company? Those kinds of things I, I could see people being much more comfortable asking a machine as opposed to asking Susan who works down the hall and they'd have to look Susan in the face and now Susan knows the medications they take or something. I don't know, so, whatever the case may be. That seems pretty plausible. When people were saying, I forgot the number, but you know, X number of people were more comfortable you know, bringing up mental health with a machine than with a person. Was that question framed under the guise of for HR related Q&A or was it framed more under the guise of writ large? Like mental health convo would prefer machine to human. You know what I mean? How, how is it asked? Just so we, we have some context on those numbers. We literally just ask people for mental health issues. Would they prefer to talk to a robot or okay. their manager? Okay, got it, got it. Yeah, so that's obviously a little bit more all-encompassing than HR Q&A, which is maybe, uh, what do we want to say, 0.006% of the total possibility space <laughs> of mental health conversations? I mean, in all frank seriousness, that's probably the, the safe percentage. But it's not a bad start. In a corporate environment, of course, that's the first place it's going to come up. And what you're saying is, hey... In that instance, you know, this is a place where maybe technology has a natural fit to make people more comfortable with that first touch about things that's very touchy. Machines might might just honestly be better serving the employees than, you know, HR folks tackling those same concerns. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what the employees are telling us. They're saying they feel technology provides a judgment-free zone. It's an unbiased outlet for them to share their problems, and they can get quick answers to the questions they have 24 by 7. Yeah, yeah. And in many ways, in this case, AI or technology is a way to scale the limited human resources to support a bigger, a larger population of the employees. It's also a great way to give them answers right away. I mean, we can't expect HR professionals to be up at three o'clock in the morning when you may be having a mental health breakdown, yeah, yeah, but yeah. talking to technology is a great way to get help right away. Got it. So we can spin this now into, you know, so the, the question was framed, frankly, in a, a vastly more open-ended sense than the pure HR Q&A, but clearly it's a great checkpoint in the corporate context, which is what our listeners are tuning in from, the corporate context. Uh, it's certainly you know, uh, useful in that regard. You folks obviously are in the technology business, Oracle, you know, one of the the best known names in that space. You're thinking about where this technology is going, building your own personal assistance, continuing to do these polls year over year, you know, acquiring interesting companies, planning for the future. When you look ahead and get a sense of where these trends are going to take us, you know, you brought up kind of the, hey, maybe machines could do more of the HR Q&A. All right, you know, I'm with you there. When you cast your eyes, you know, a bit forward, what are the other trends? What are the other implications, applications here that that maybe things are shifting towards that you think corporate listeners should know? Uh, absolutely. There are a couple of things that come to mind. One is, I think the way people interact, interface with technology will fundamentally change. Right now, the primary way we interact with technology or get technology to help us scale our business processes is really through sitting in front of a computer, doing data entry, execute these business processes, and that's what we call enterprise software. 
I don't think that's the way people want to work anymore. People, instead of inputting data, they want technology to give them output, to give them recommendations, to give them recommended actions on how they improve their productivity or even their mental health. So I envision a world where people can talk to technology through digital system. They can ask questions and technology can get answers for them and they can execute orders, execute these business processes in the background. So for example, approving expense reports. Why do we need to sit in front of a computer approving expense reports when I approve almost 100% of my expense reports? The machine should be able to identify patterns around my approval process and maybe only flag exceptions to me, but prove the other expenses automatically. The same thing with basic HR processes, a lot of the self-service processes, whether it's checking your vacation balance or checking your paycheck, those things should be handled without me ever having to touch my computer uh, through me simply asking a question and have the machines give me answers. The other thing employees already expect from the system is something they already have in their their day-to-day lives. Like when I use my mobile phone, this is when I was still commuting to work, my phone used to tell me when I should leave for work because it's integrating my calendar data with real-time traffic data. So it's saying, hey, you should leave work 15 minutes earlier because there's a a huge traffic accident and the traffic is really bad today. Applying that to work, employees expect technology to give them recommendations, whether it's on their career growth or on learning resources, and that's how they want to interface with technology. The other thing I see is at the beginning uh, of the pandemic, there's a movie that came out called Social Dilemma, and it painted a really dark picture of the kind of role technology is playing in our kids' lives and people's uh, lives. And uh, rather than promoting mental health, it's really kind of harming people's mental health because people are glued to their devices 24 by 7, and they're active on social media and feeding a lot of social pressure. My hope is now that we've gone through the pandemic and there is a mental health crisis, we can design a technology for good with mental health in mind. And we see that the underlying technology is already there. So imagine if your mobile phone or your whatever app you're using can give you nudges about, hey, you've been on Zoom for three hours. It's time for you to take a break. <laughs> it's time for you to incorporate some physical activities. And your system can, based on your biometric data, recommend fitness routines or, or wellness activities for you to maintain what, uh, mental health. And this is something that's possible. We have the underlying technology today. It requires the tech community to come together to change our goals around technology and to really design technology for good to promote mental health rather than harm mental health. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know, it's it, to me it feels somewhat preposterous not that you're saying as much, but to say that Twitter's, you know, sneering on the 35th floor of their San Francisco building thinking about all the mental health that they're destroying, right? It, it's it's almost self-evidently not that that's happening. It seems as though it's more likely the kind of incentives are steering things. And so I don't know if Twitter was built as technology for bad, you know, to to use the the counterexample. I sort of wonder what are the incentives for a company that's focused on sort of improving mental health, you know what I mean? Like, like it'll be very interesting to, uh, you know, there's this interesting thing in goal setting theory, which is oddly enough where my graduate school work was done, where 
if you tell the factory that makes nails that they're going to get paid based on how many nails they make, they're going to make really small nails. If you pay them based on the volume of nails in terms of weight, like kilograms, then they're going to make really big nails. And so how you decide to measure success actually just kind of turns out to be where you steer the ship. And that goes for whether you're shooting for good or, or, or not. That's just kind of like incentives rule the world. It'll be really curious to see how we balance that, right? Because like, if you're maximizing for a subjective five-star score from how your daily experience went, is that actually going to proxy for you know, the, your conscious experience? It feels like we're up against a, a pretty massive challenge here to, to crack that nut. Yeah, and that's a great comment, but I also hope this is the legacy of uh, year 2020, which is during the pandemic, I, I think because people are working and living in the same space and it's uh, causing mental health issues, people see firsthand how mental health is impacting their productivity and their decision-making. And this was manifested in our survey. 85% of the people say their mental health issue said work is impacting their personal life, is causing sleep deprivation, oh, wow, wow, poor physical wow. health, reduced happiness, suffering family relationships, which in turn also impact their productivity, engagement, and decision-making in the workplace. So I think people are experiencing firsthand the importance of mental health and the importance to stay away from technology once in a while, and the importance of integrating your work life in a healthy way. And I hope that legacy will live on. And I hope a lot of uh, companies, startups, and large com corporations alike will incorporate this uh, new design principle in into the way they design technology. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's so many dynamics to talk about here all at once. I mean, there's the, the shifting bar of what good is and what good means, and then companies kind of following that tack because it's going to behoove them to follow that tack in the public eye. There is also the the actual science of tracking mental well-being which which by golly that's some tough stuff but you know we're we're getting some proxies for it and also correlating that with performance you know you mentioned sort of work stress affecting life happiness and mental health issues affecting work focus and whatever else you know sort of being able to to calibrate and improve that i think you're right i think you know in an optimistic sense emily uh, i'm going to cross my fingers with you that part of the legacy of 2020 is that our technology can help us calibrate a really fulfilling work-life balance that also allows us to be, you know, productive and happy. If we can dial technology in that direction, I would call that a win. And it sounds like for you, just to kind of put a cap on the first idea that you mentioned before we wrap up the interview, uh, the first idea you mentioned was was around machines serving the role of kind of prompting and preemptively letting people know about stuff. Obviously, Oracle has so many B2B software products. Do you see a future where these kind of digital helpers can help people find a feature? or help people move faster through a workflow, or help people answer questions about, you know, whatever they're stuck on, trying to navigate some database or something. Do, do you see that, that same kind of nudge recommendation kind of guidance being part of the B2B software experience? Absolutely. That's what we're moving towards. We envision a future where the only interface you have is through the digital system. You can ask questions. In the morning, I can say, you know, what's my vacation balance? Because my kids are on spring break next week and I'm planning vacation. And the system will tell me. I can ask the system to help me approve expense reports. Or if I'm a salesperson, I can ask the system, what accounts should, should I be going after today? And I can get answers without ever having to touch the system 
and all the business processes that are happening in the background and the system based on crunching data will give me recommendations on uh, how I should optimize my work, either by recommending the, the accounts I should go after or recommending some healthy daily routines that will help me maintain my mental health as well as productivity and engagement in the workplace. Yeah, man. Well, and there's there's a lot of nuts to crack in there, but I think if we, you know, we, we eat the elephant by bites, there's certainly some really interesting AI use cases in in what you've just articulated, and I think you've also painted a really nice vision. I think for those of you who are listening in right now, of course we cover use cases here on the AI and Business podcast, but we also kind of like to tee up and frame where are we headed. And Emily, you've done a good job of kind of framing the where are we headed within the enterprise software world? How will we interface with these technologies? Where where might we be able to get with this kind of assistant first future model? And I think that's a, a cool place to start for brainstorms for those of you who have quarterly meetings coming up. So Emily, I know that's all we have for time, but thanks so much for sharing the insights from your report and your perspectives from Oracle. Thank you so much for having me. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. Thank you to you for listening all the way through to this episode. Uh, We've been happy to see our community grow over the years as artificial intelligence has gotten more popular and our media and our audio has reached more and more ears around the world and eyes around the world. If you are a listener, I'd like to ask you to consider being a reader as well. If you're not already a subscriber on our newsletter, you can go to emerj.com. And up at the top right is a button for subscribe. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we send out not only our latest interviews, but all of our latest articles, infographics, and more. So if you want to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to AI trends, use cases, and best practices, then go to emerj.com and subscribe up at the top right. We are grateful to have you as a listener. would love to have you as a subscriber. And thank you again for being here with us. I look forward to catching you in the next episode here on the AI and Business Podcast.